Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Lovely Saturday morning, being recorded on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> oh, so uh, if you haven't guessed, I'm I'm not actually in the office today. I'm uh, pre-recording this, so hope you enjoy it. It's a uh, been very interesting the last few weeks, few months. I mean, it's talk about a crazy year, 2020. Holy cow, this is going to go down in history as one of the most volatile, crazy election years, I think, since probably the 1800s, somewhere in the mid-1800s. Anyway, but you got to like what you're seeing, excuse me, on a lot of different fronts. A lot of things that are happening, things that are going to continue to improve. There is a silver lining to this, and uh, I think it's what I like to call my Semiconductor uh, healthcare model. <laughs> the stocks that make up those two industries are actually benefiting from what's happening right now and probably going to continue to benefit. That is kind of silver lining. We've got GDP growth. A lot of it's coming from technology and a lot of it's coming from healthcare. And that kind of makes sense, right? So there is a way of, I think, if you feel that way, you feel it's, it's a good thing to do, like I do. There's a way of increasing your exposure there, taking advantage of that. If it comes along, if it continues to go along. So feel free to always call me. And by the way, that's one thing I'd like to really spend just a minute talking about. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can go to my website. It's bullingtoncapital.com. It's got our phone number there, and there's a contact us form. And, and a lot of people have been using it, and I want to thank you for that. So if you have a question, if you have something you'd like me to talk about on the radio program, please feel free to submit your requests. I will do the best I can to address that. And I'll get back to you if you have questions. Now, oftentimes, it's been kind of funny. People go to the website, they fill out the contact us form, and then they forget to fill out their question. <laughs> so I get, I got to, here's a contact. I need to get in touch with this person, but I don't know what it's for. <laughs> so uh, if you just could just remember and it's not that big a deal if you don't if you don't remember and i just get it i'll still reach out to you but uh if you'd like to have a certain question answered or you'd like to see a topic that you'd like covered on the radio program please feel free to do that i think it's a uh, it's a great idea um i love interacting with people so take that and uh remember it um i did want to talk today really and going forward i'll probably be talking about this more frequently. And it's, a, it's just basically managing risk. There's a lot of risk that people don't see when it comes to investing. Some people do, um, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but there are so many different types of risk now. And managing that is, is the key. One of the biggest risks that people do a relatively poor job of managing as a, as a general rule I would say, uh, is longevity risk. And along with that goes the sequence of events 
risk. Those two things are extremely highly correlated, connected. Connected is a better word. Longevity risk is living too long. It means you know you planned on living for 20 years in retirement and you ended up living for 30 or 40. And the sequence of events risk is not only did you live longer than you thought you were going to, but if you retired in the year 2000 or you retired in the year 2007, right before the market took a 50% drop each one of those years, that has a huge impact on your ability to withdraw funds to supplement your social security or your pension income. It has a gigantic impact. I just had a client ask me, well, well, what do you do about that? Well, the answer is you do what you should be doing all the time anyway. And then he goes, so you mean it's basically luck? And I go, yes, it is. (laughs) So you'd better be doing the right things all the time. The right things don't mean that you're going to be able to predict the future of the stock market. You know, my luck is if I retire, by the way, this is one of the reasons I'm just never going to retire. I was because if I do retire, it will be a peak in the market and the market's going to drop 50%. <laughs> and it's going to be one of those slow, torturous drops like you had in the year 2000 through 2003. Three years. Can you imagine? Three years. And every time the market bounced up, everybody got excited thinking it's going to come back. It's going to, we're going to recover. And then it turns around and goes lower. Now that's pretty torturous. In fact, in 2007 through 2009, it was actually November of 2007, and it bottomed in March of 2009. So it's about 18 months, not nearly as long. Is that 18 months? That's not even 18 months. That's less than 18 months. So that correction, even though it was just as steep, was was faster. What's really rough is if you had retired in March of 2000, not only did you go through that first 50% drop, you went through the second 50% drop too. So if that were to happen in your retirement, that's going to have a really, really negative effect on your account balances. If you're pulling money out and the market keeps dropping, even though the market's up substantially from that point to where it is right now, you may not have enough money left to support your lifestyle because it drops so far, so fast, so quickly and it happened twice in one 10 year time period. So that's one of the reasons that I've been talking about more guaranteed income products over the past few months, mainly because some have been made available. They're relatively new. They, uh, they guarantee an income for your lifetime. That's what you're really purchasing is you're, you're purchasing a guaranteed income for every year that you don't take it. That income's guaranteed to increase kind of like social security, the kind of way that social security works. And if you don't take it right away, you can defer taking the income and the income will go up. The average increase has been about 7% a year. That number can change, by the way. In fact, I'm pretty sure at some point in time, if interest rates don't go up, that number's coming down. So that's why I'm not naming the specific product and not spending a whole lot of time talking about the specific rates because those can change and will change over time. But the main idea is that you have a very good idea of how much income you can expect that helps with the sequence of events risk. You know, if sequence of events refers back to, okay, I started, I retired in 
November of 2007, the market dropped 57% the first year I was retired. And I was taking money out. And I was taking a little bit more money out because there were some things I wanted to do around my house to fix it up for my retirement years. And boy, talk about bad luck, bad timing. Now my income's severely restricted because of uh, the sequence of events. Had that occurred at some other time, probably would not have had the same impact. If I have some of my income that I know I can uh, refer back to or that's going to be guaranteed by the company. By the way, guarantees are only as strong as the underlying companies that are making them. Make sure you choose a a highly rated company if you're going to use these types of products. And I think that, uh, but if you've got a fairly significant chunk that is in that pool or bucket, if you want to call it that, that seems to be a popular um, ideology these days, the, the bucket plans. So if, if that bucket's full and it's producing income, you've got the other's buckets to draw on, and that can have a huge impact on your ability to take out money and what your net worth is going to be in the future. I think that that's a really good idea. Uh, if some of this stuff doesn't make sense to you, that's why I started talking out, started out talking about my website is call me or, or actually email me. I'll be glad to give you more information on that. I think it's a, uh, a really important time to be considering this. One of the other things I was considering, I'm, I'm looking at the average portfolio across the country 60, 40, 60% stock, 40% bonds. The 40% that's in bonds, if you're earning 1%, you're actually doing quite well. Think about that for a second. 60, uh, 40% of your money is invested in something that, that's got a yield of about 1%. By the way, that's not the SEC yield. The SEC yield is a very strict form of measurement that takes into account that some of these funds that you're in may be purchasing bonds that aren't going that that are selling for more than they're going to mature at. That happens a lot. You need to check that out. If you don't know what that means, go back and re-listen to this, or just send me a note. But an SEC yield takes into account any premiums the fund is paying for the bonds that are in the portfolio. The current yield or the yield over the past twelve months just shows you what it is, and you can see a lot of current yields around one one and a half four or five if it's a junk bond fund. the uh, But you need to look at the SEC yield to give you a better idea of what it really is, of what you might actually expect to achieve out of that. That accounts for any premiums that were paid on any of the bonds. It's kind of a, um, this is why investing is so tough. I mean, there are so many things you have to look out for now. And it's kind of always been that way. But, They've created a lot more products and they're a lot harder to dig down deep to find out what's actually going on. So you got a fund out there. I'm telling you right now to get a 1% return is a really good return. Think about that. 1% on a million dollars. Do you know 1% on a million bucks is $10,000. That's what you'd get on a million dollars. You get $10,000. That's why we're having these conversations. That's why I'm talking about this kind of stuff because the options are extremely limited. And I know I've, I've probably people are 
dying because I keep talking about this, but you know, the United States government, how do we get into this mess? How do we get down to interest rates on a 10 year treasury? That's one half of 1%. So if you had a 10 year treasury bond and you had a million dollars worth of 10 year treasuries that you just bought, you're getting $5,000 a year. That's what you get. 5,000 bucks a year. And you're going to have to start spending principal if you can't live on $5,000 a year. So it's, it's why I'm having these conversations. And it's why that I think some of the other products that are available, some of the newer products, the newer developments are very good for people who are nearing retirement and need to start supplementing their income with some of their retirement savings. They're very good if you're within 10 years of retirement because of like what I was saying just because you're 10 years from retirement, 10 years is not a long time. Now the S&P 500 had a negative 10-year return. Think about that. And you're within 10 years of retirement? What if it happens again? 10 years from now, you expect, do you think prices will be lower 10 years from now? You think you'll be paying less for food? How about clothing? How about that college tuition? Everybody else, yes, going to be higher. We like to refer to inflation as the silent thief. <laughs> it, it's there taking more of your money. You just don't realize it right away. So the uh, eventually you'll realize it. And, and, and that's my point. In this environment, with all that debt that the government has, the uh, inflation's not going to go away. Actually, inflation's probably going to stoke up a little bit. So you've got higher inflation and low interest rates. Woohoo! The, uh, that is like, that is not good. What are you going to do? Okay. You could say, well, I'm just going to invest more money in stocks because stocks have done better than historically. And they're not, they're actually, they're not overpriced by much. They're going to look a lot overpriced, by the way, over the next six to 12 months when the full year of the pandemic is factored into a lot of publicly traded companies' revenues and they're down a lot. It's going to look like the market's overvalued significantly. I'm going to tell you this, as soon as they find a, um, treatments and they've, they've already got the treatments are in the works. As soon as those begin to take hold, it's not like those people who were eating, driving cars, wearing clothing and living in housing are going to stop doing any of that. <laughs> that demand is going to come right back. Okay. So that's one of the reasons that the stock market's already, well, not the stock market, the S and P 500, most stocks have not recovered yet, by the way, most stocks are still down about 15% or so. Uh, the S&P, the big boys, the big top 50 out of that group has done exceptionally well, and a lot of them have not done well. A lot of them are actually substantially below where they were, which is actually good because it leaves some upside. There's still some upside into the stock market. Maybe not as much upside in the large cap tech, but in a lot of other areas, there's still a lot of upside. And it's not like, again, it's not like the demand is going to go away. So from a stock standpoint, I feel pretty good about that. What I feel bad about are the fixed income securities out there and the 60-40 portfolios and the people who don't want to, they want to keep, I'm sorry, I feel bad for the people who want to keep that portfolio mix because it's the only thing they know and they don't think they can do any better. I'm here to tell you, I, I think you can. I really think you can. I did a little illustration. And as soon as we're able to have seminars again, I'll, I'll bring these out. In the meantime, if you want to call up and set up a, a consultation, uh, I'll go through it with you. But here's what I'm thinking. 
So if I took a, a, a generally a 60-40 portfolio, 60% bonds, 40% fixed income, by the way, at a uh, less than 1% on 40%, that means you're getting less than four-tenths of 1% for your entire portfolio on that fixed income. That 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 excite you? Are you all happy yet? <laughs> four-tenths of a percent if you're doing well? Four-tenths. That's what you get in current fixed income in a 60-40 portfolio. That's how much impact it would have over your entire savings. So if you bumped that up, let's say the distribution rate on one of these newer products is a, you're in your mid-60s, so it's going to be probably about five and a half. Five and a half versus 0.5. I don't know. What do you think? It's not a fair comparison. I'm going to tell you that right now because these things you're converting into an income. Once you convert it into an income, uh, typically the company will guarantee that that stays that way for the rest of your life. You can also have a joint partner on there and it'll also get it. The uh, These are different from a regular annuity that you annuitize because if something happens to get hit by a bus, your family will inherit the money that's left. So that that makes them a little bit different from the, the typical annuities that are out there. By the way, there are thousands of annuities, literally thousands. And in order to know or to compare them, you have to sit down and and do a lot of effort, uh, do a lot of work, which requires a lot of effort. And feel free to, again, to give us a call. We'll help you with that stuff. That's basically what we do. We try to help people figure out how to make their money last as long as they do. And this is a big deal. The fact that interest rates are so low, the fact that the debt, the national debt is so high means they're probably going to stay very, very low. This is an option. This is a great option. When I uh, get back in the uh, next week, I'll, I'll talk about some actual breakdowns of some portfolios. What would I suggest? I would suggest different things for different people because everybody's got different risk tolerances. Depends on how old you are. Depends on how old your spouse is. Depends on how much income you need. Um, there's a bunch of stuff there that we would have to know to be able to come up with a recommendation specifically for you and your situation. Fortunately, I've been doing this a long time, so it's not nearly as difficult for me uh, to figure out which methods may work best for you. And then uh, what we do is we present them, explain them, and let you pick whatever you think is going to be best for you. And that's kind of how I would like to be treated. If you know, if I were in the shoes of of looking for an investment advisor, I would like to to be have someone that would lay out all my options, explain them in English. Uh, so that I can understand them, and once I've gotten all my options, I can pick. You know, make an educated, formal decision based on real research, real data, and not just what somebody's touting that particular day. <laughs> By the way, most of these things you can change. That that's another thing that's a little bit different about this one. They're they're longer term. Uh, the money you devote to that, you're going to want to keep there. So that does make it a lot different from the other products that I've used over the years. Um, But having said that, I think I only have about 30 seconds before I have to take a real quick commercial break. And again, I want to appreciate everybody for who always listens and and people have been so kind. Uh, I I really appreciate the emails that you send. Uh, If you do have questions, please feel free to go to my website. It's bullingtoncapital.com. I'd be glad to answer them. Now that I hear the music, I I know it's time to take a break. I'll... uh, Coming back in just a few minutes, this is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned.
Welcome back. We were just talking about all the various options people have to invest in today. Uh, Unbelievable number of funds out there. Thousands. Actually, do you know that there are more funds that you can invest in than there are stocks for them to be able to invest in? (laughs) And it's caused a change in how stocks behave. It really has. And I'm looking at what's just gone up the most, the best performing categories, which are typically what the average investor thinks they should be investing in. That's true to a certain extent, okay, but it's kind of like having a little bit of knowledge being pretty dangerous. In this case, it's incredibly dangerous because if you, if you go with the stuff that's just gone up the most and you're not really familiar with how that works in the long run, you're probably in for a surprise. I mean, look at, here's Netflix, just as an example. As I'm looking at Netflix, it's up 10% today. In a day, it's up 10%, which is amazing because it's a $500 stock. Well, it's $543 now. It was actually slightly less than 500 bucks. But here's the thing. Netflix, if you added up the price of every share of the stock, and then you divided that by the sales that the company has, it's selling at $8.86 per dollar of sales. Why is that important? Well, because the average stock only sells for two. If you're looking at two times sales versus 8.86 times sales, I mean, Netflix had better continue to perform very well to be worth four times more, almost five times more than any other stock on the planet. Now, I like Netflix. I think it's a great idea. But I can tell you right now, it's from the momentum. Momentum funds are buying that that stock. And it could cause the price to go up from here. Just, to, just because it's overpriced now doesn't mean it can't get more overpriced. Right? And uh, that's one of the things that you got to, kind of have to be on on the lookout for when you're investing in these types of funds. If they're investing in stocks, the best performing stock funds, by the way, they've got Netflix in them. Guess what else they have? Facebook. Facebook is selling at 8.6 times their annual sales. That's a big number. If you're growing fast enough, if you're growing 30, 40% a year, yeah, that's fine. But if you're not, you may be overpaying for those stocks. Here's the big difference between the average investor who's, who owns those stocks and, and the funds that own them. The funds that own those stocks are actually going to start to peel back 
their holdings in that stock at some point in time in the future. They will actually go in and start to sell shares. When? They're actually going to wait until the share prices start to drop. And they'll probably have to drop a fairly significant amount before they actually start to sell shares in it. Why? Well, because nobody knows where the top is. They're just running them based on math. There's a certain amount of momentum there. The momentum starts to drop. Start reducing the, the number of shares that you're holding in the fund. And those funds, by the way, have a tendency to be slightly more volatile than the overall stock market or the uh, the broader-based funds to try to represent the stock market. You, you kind of have to look at the Russell Equal Weighted 1000. That'll give you a better idea of the average stock in the stock market. Uh, there, there's not a good indicator, incidentally, of what the entire stock market's doing. There's, there's no good indicator for that. Um, there's not an index that was created for that. And in fact, somebody should do that. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're a CFA candidate or you already have a CFA, why don't you create the index that represents the real stock market? That would be awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so when we're looking at the S&P 500, you're looking at a fairly small subset. And by the way, the Netflix is part of that. The uh, part of the fang, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, all of which make up a huge percentage of the S&P 500, all of which are making new highs. Not all stocks are making new highs. In fact, let's take a look at this. Here's the Russell Mid-Cap Value Index Fund. Not only is it not making a new high, it's it's 15% below its all-time high that was set earlier this year. So those stocks are making new highs. This one's still down, and this is an entire, it's an index, represents a certain sector of the total stock market. So this index fund is still down 15% from where it was, and it is not alone. There are actually most of them. The the regular mid-cap index fund is still down about 6%, and that's got the growth and the value in it. Let's see if I can find another. Um, hmm. Bear with me here. I feel bad for... Okay. So here's a small company value fund. It reached its high in 2018. So a little over two years ago. It's down 23, almost 24% from its highest price two years ago. And I'm going to tell you, that's going to make most people go, yeah, let's not invest in that fund. And I'm going, uh, yeah, but see, these are smaller companies. Smaller companies generally grow faster. Their valuations are very good, which means they're not overpriced. In the long run, the, the returns on that have been very similar to the other funds that we were just talking about, the ones that are doing the best right now. So in the long run, their returns are, are all within 1% of each other. Think about that. So if you were trying to use logic, the logic should go, I'm going to hold both of those because the average of the two is really kind of higher than the average of either one of them by themselves. Not always. Okay. But uh, not. It, it actually is going to allow me to avoid guessing at which one's going to do best. Now, if the the underperforming index 
ever does catch up, if it goes back to its long-term average, what that means is it's going to be moving up faster to close the gap one day. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> We're not allowed to. Again, you, you can't, you're not allowed to promise anything on these things. But um, So I think that's a, a really interesting philosophy. And, and there, there are a couple of uh, ETFs out there that I've been using. There are a couple of sectors I've been overweighting lately. Um, one of them I've been overweighting for a while, but what, what does that mean when I say overweight a sector? Uh, let's say healthcare, for example. Healthcare is comprised of a bunch of different businesses. Actually, there are a bunch of different industries. So the sector is made up of a bunch of different industries, but they're all related to healthcare some way, shape, or form. Some of them make the equipment that they use in the hospitals. Some of them make the disposable. Some of them make pharmaceutical products, you know, the drugs. Some of them are, are biotechnology that make uh, drugs, that make equipment, uh, the uh, to read your DNA, all kinds of stuff. So they're all related somehow, some way, shape, or form to healthcare. So I've got a model that will invest in those companies, and there are three funds in it, and they're act- actually actively managed. It means a uh, somebody's out there picking the stocks, looking at things like profit margins, sales, what they think is going to be the future of the product. And why am I using that when I just said I, I like to use math? Well, I, I like to do both, quite frankly. And for this particular area, I think it, it's been a big help over the years. But you can add stuff like that to a portfolio to try to keep higher returns. When you look at how that model would have done over the past 20, 30 years, makes sense. You know, the Healthcare costs are rising faster than the overall cost of inflation. They ha- that's been a, a long-term trend. S- the 60 and over portion of the populations, the fastest growing portion of the population. What happens as you get older? I can tell you, you go to the doctor more often. I'm starting to go to the doctor a lot more often, <laughs> which is really depressing. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's very expensive. So I decided, yeah, that that makes sense. And I've resisted that because healthcare was always represented pretty healthily in most of the indexes that I'd been investing in. But I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know what? The uh, eh, I think I'm going to add a little bit more money to that. So it could make a pretty big difference if the past repeats itself. Right now, valuations are not extended in that area. The growth rate's faster than the overall stock market is, which it has been for quite a while. So if I add a little bit more to that, hopefully I'll get better returns on that than I would if I didn't overweight that. Same thing with the semiconductors. You know, I've been talking about that now for, I don't know, three years. Uh, and they've done very well. Um, and their growth rate's still the fastest growth rate of any industry on the planet. Semiconductors. Why? Because 5G, because 5G touches everything. It's not just 5G. It's not your phones. Your phones are 5G and they talk a lot about that. That technology was developed for the driverless trucks. That's what they developed that technology for. They realized later, after they started going down that path, they're like, hey, wait a minute. We can actually run the cell phones on on these same networks, which means that we can have kids playing games at super high speeds that they could not have done before because the games would continuously time out. And if you don't know what that phrase timeout means, ask your grandkid. (laughs) 
They'll know. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, the bottom line is you could be watching a video on your cell phone and, and it stops and you're like, oh, and you're waiting for it to catch up. Okay. So with the 5G, that, that solves some of that problem. And it's gotten into everything. I mean, they're putting this in toys. They're putting this at some point in time. I'm pretty sure it's going to be in your toothbrush because at two minutes it's going to stop. So you don't have to actually watch the, <laughs> have a watch. <laughs> watch, that'll happen. You watch. That that will absolutely happen. But um, it's happening now in a bunch of different areas. And what's interesting about this whole thing, it, you, you got to have semiconductors for that. So uh, it's kind of interesting. And every time, every time there's a new iteration or an upgrade or something that the current infrastructure doesn't support, they have to replace it. That's kind of cool. It's like chocolate. You can't just uh, start eat, stop eating chocolate one day. <laughs> At least you can if you're me. <laughs> but uh, I'm just kidding. The uh, so anyway. To being able to take those, overweight those in a portfolio, I think it's, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Now, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I'm going to change the subject. And I'm going to go back to the fixed income portion because I've been talking about this nationwide product for quite a while. And uh, I think it's something that everybody needs to hear. It, it's a guaranteed product. Again, the guarantees are only as good as the company that are making the guarantees. So you want to want to make sure that insurance companies that you're dealing with when you're dealing with these types of products are highly rated, uh, do the best you can because they're, they're making guarantees that they're going to have to stand behind and they need to be able to honor those. And you need to do as much research as you can to uh, try to figure out whether or not you think that this company can actually pay off. And uh, anyway, I, I really like, and they're not the only ones. I mean, there are other people out there that uh, have products that are very similar to this. I just uh, have a lot of experience with these guys and they do have extremely high credit ratings. So because somebody had asked me a question uh, that I had to look up the answer to a few weeks ago and uh, he was asking if the um, obligations were a part or the investments were a part of their general account, the general investment account for the insurance company. The answer is yes. So insurance companies take in premiums they invest those premiums. They try to earn a return on the premium and that's what they pay claims out of. So yes, this is part of the general obligation of nationwide. So I thought that was uh, uh, pretty cool because they're not making direct investments in the stock market. They're not making direct investments into the other indexes that they're using. Uh, they're basically using options and they're on the hook for that. Know, they're the ones that are managing that. And, I, and I, I can tell you for sure, you don't want to be managing your own option portfolio. <laughs> that, that is a nightmare. That is incredibly difficult to do. It, it's incredibly difficult to do well. So you want to keep with people who are uh, experts in their field. And what, what does that offer you? Well, experts are probably going to do better than you. Nationwide's uh, managing a ton of money the guarantees that they're making they're they're various guarantees. And I, I think I'm going to probably spend some time over the next few weeks, just talking about the individual characteristics of these things, because it's not just nationwide. There are a bunch of companies out there. They're calling the products a fixed indexed annuity. And I think under current conditions, this is something a lot of people should take a look at. Not for everybody. Definitely not for everybody, but under current conditions with interest rates being as low as they are, 
Now, and, and I'm going to make a confession here. I'm 57. Okay, I almost never talk about how how old I am. I'm 57 years old. I put this in my pro, my portfolio because it's taking a very important place. It's taking a place that was invested in bonds paying around 2%. <laughs> That's the reason. And I'm within 10 years. And by the way, 10 years from now, uh, the, the benefit that I could take today, well, actually, you have to wait one year. The benefit that I could take after one year, first of all, I don't need the income in a year. Secondly, it's, it's going to go up 7% per year every year that I delay it. Kind of like Social Security. So I could get a, a, a very competitive return next year if I wanted to start taking income from it right away. And by the way, they would pay for the rest of my life. That's the hook that uh, once you enter into one of these contracts, they, they're they on the hook now. Nationwide's got to pay that amount of money out for the rest of my life. That's that's pretty good. It's a, uh, that's what we're talking about, the guaranteed income. That's where that comes from. Again, only as good as Nationwide. It's guaranteed. So uh, uh, why am I doing that? Well, because I just moved a bunch of money from a bunch of bonds that were paying around 2% with risk into this thing that is going to pay more than 2% if I wanted to take it out now, but will also guarantee that it'll go up. So I hear the music. It means I'm uh, obligated to take a commercial break. <laughs> Stay tuned. You're listening to Bill Pullington right here on 1420. back. So I was just talking a little bit about uh, the guaranteed products from Nationwide. I think that's a, a good thing for a lot of people to take a look at. Just take a look at it. You know, it may not be the right answer for you. That's one of the jobs of a fiduciary is to consider all the available options, try to pick out those that are the most pertinent, try to explain them the best of our ability and to help you decide which ones are the best for you. So that's uh, kind of neat. And um, I like the that method of doing business. I think it's actually it should have been like this from the very get-go. You know, they, they haven't, this wasn't a requirement of fiduciaries. It wasn't a requirement to be a fiduciary. It's, you're still not required to be a fiduciary in, in a lot of cases, by the way. But that's uh, how I like to do my business. And... It's been working for me for a very long time period. And uh, so anyway, just thought I would kind of follow it up by saying, you know, when you do this, you can actually, if you email me, I'll send you a link. You can go in and kind of play around with, uh, here's my age and here's the amount of uh, income I'd like to receive, how much money would I need for that? Or 
Or you can do it the other way. Here's my age and here's how much money I have. How much income can I generate? Feel free to to email me. Go to BullingtonCapital.com. Reach out on the contact us page. Actually, try to write a description for that in there. A lot of people go to that and they fill it out. They put their email address and their name, but they don't give me the question. So I don't know exactly what they're asking for. Uh, and I don't know what to say. So if you wouldn't mind just putting the comment in there, I'd like to see the, uh, the nationwide or anything else that you've heard about here today. If you want to see a my most aggressive model, investment model, it's the one I call the uh, healthcare semiconductors. It only has two industries in it. I like to use it in addition to the conservative model that I run uh, just to try to kick up the returns a little bit, not with everybody. Again, I have to recommend the things I think will be best for you. But if you want to see that model too, uh, I would be glad to have a conversation with you about that over the phone because I don't have a license just to send that out to the general public. Uh, You actually have to have some sort of relationship and a phone conversation of five minutes or so. That's like a minimum relationship. (laughs) That's how we skate that rule. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, uh, what what would have happened if you go back 10 years now and you'd invested in healthcare and the semiconductor, just those two industries. And by the way, those numbers look so awesome. And I'm going to tell you, don't expect that in the future. Just don't. Um, it's a, uh, <laughs> it was a very good time period for both of them. But if you go back a long time and Actually, let me back up a second. The reason that they've done so well as long as they have is because sales have been rising pretty rapidly in those industries. Think about it. What's grown faster than technology and healthcare? Not much. Now, if you knew that a technology was going to go away, you probably wouldn't want to invest in that anymore. That's one of the reasons I think it's important to have actively managed or funds that that look at certain metrics like sales growth, like profitability. When, when that stuff starts to dwindle away, they start to cut back. Okay, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, they also use the size of the company. When the size of the company is shrinking, oftentimes the, the price movement will happen before the uh, fundamentals actually start to erode. So that's kind of a big deal that that's in there too. It's, these are all management things. These are all things that are being done without us thinking about it. Uh, the time that you think about it is when you're selecting the fund. You're reading the description of of how those funds are being managed. So anyway, I, I'd be glad to have a conversation with you about that. This is five minutes, you just call or ask me to give you a call. I'll call you back. Say, hey, look, you can tell me that uh, I wanted to see the healthcare semiconductor model. I'll show it to you. The more diversified model I built, I call it the DOL model because back, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago when the Department of Labor put in those rules, I went back, got the accreditation for the uh, investment fiduciary, which I have to do the, uh, that reminds me, I I think I'm overdue on my, uh, I got to catch up on my hours that I put up each year. So anyway, I built that model to comply with Department of Labor rules standards. It's, It's more for people who are retiring soon or uh, are already retired. It's it's overweighted in some large cap dividend paying stocks. So it's not the most aggressive thing that you can do, although all stocks are aggressive. I, you know what was really wild? You looked at, at how far down a bunch of the high quality dividend paying stocks were and that they still haven't come back. 
they dropped nearly as much as the S&P did. That blew my mind. And they're not at a, they haven't recovered as quickly. It doesn't surprise me that much, but uh, it's, it's a little surprising. Uh, they're still down about 12% or so from their all-time highs, which were reached a little while ago. So it's a, uh, um, can be frustrating, but I get it. You know, these stocks don't have the growth rates right now. It's kind of the uh, Googles and the Netflix of the world that have really been leading the market back. Uh, when those stocks take a break and they're getting to a point now where their valuations are extremely high, that, uh, that always bothers me a little bit when I see companies that have done really well and they have really high valuations because they just don't go to the moon. Um, I'd be, I'd be really careful with that. That's, that's another reason I think when I look at, at how the average person does it, if the Dalbar studies, you know, Dalbar is an organization that studies investor behavior. If the Dalbar studies are true and the average investor is really earning the returns that the average, that they say they are, then the nationwide product with the guarantees actually substantially higher than the average investor is doing in their stock portfolios. That that's kind of interesting. That's extremely interesting. So it was designed for a portion of your portfolio, not the whole thing, but in fact, it's actually outperformed a ton of people on their stocks. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now, if I were in my, if I were below the age of, I don't know, 50, you know, if I'm below the age of 50, maybe probably even 55. I think if I were below the age of 55, I'm not sure I would be looking at that. I'm not sure that that makes sense. Now, if I'm above the age of 57, I'm definitely taking a look at this. I'm going to take a look at it for a portion of my fixed income. I'm going to try to swap that out. That's going to do two things, by the way. If, if you decide to, to, to use this particular strategy, if you like this strategy, you take and you take a big chunk of your bond money. Um, the the most common allocation is a 60-40, 60% stock, 40% bonds across the country. Uh, if you were to take half that money or let's say two-thirds of that money, put it into the guaranteed portion, it's going to have a higher return than bonds will over the next 10 years or longer, probably over the next 20 years. So, and they're going to guarantee those, those returns, those rates. And again, if you want to talk more about this, I can't be specific. I can just tell you that they have guaranteed rates. I can send you the link if you contact me, but it's going to be substantially higher than bonds. Uh, So if you took a portion of the bond money that you had and you put it over there, I think that that's fine. I think it'll bump up your returns. What that does is with the money that you don't have there, now you can be more aggressive with that money because you've got more safety on the other side and it allow it frees you up a little bit. I think that's a great idea. I think it's an, it's an awesome idea. Uh, it's kind of what I did. And especially if you're going to have to make more than, you know, four or 5% a year during retirement, I think it's going to be incredibly important. You know, you look at the Dalbar studies, the last 20 years, the average investors made 1.7 the average investor, according to Dalbar, has made over the past 20 years, 1.7. So you're going to have to do substantially better than that to be able to retire and not have to go back to work one day. 
And uh, hopefully you'd like to be able to retire. You'd like to have assets actually growing faster than you're spending them. That would be awesome. Let me tell you something. That's getting harder and harder to do. You got 40% of your money in bonds and bonds are paying you know less than 1%, particularly after a management fee. So 1% of 40% is 0.4%. That's all that's going to add. That's all that's going to add. When I first started Bullington Capital, when I left to go out on my own back in, I think it was, what's that date? Is it 2004, maybe? 2005? 2004. Okay. You could get a, a real estate investment trust fund that was paying over 10%. You could get high yield bonds that were paying over 10%. Both of those are paying 60 and 70% less than they were paying then. You could get a CD that was paying five and a half to six percent. Now CDs are less than one percent. That's the big change. That is an adjustment. That is a huge adjustment. That's why I'm using such lower numbers going forward when I talk about the future. Uh, I'm using a lot lower numbers because we can't rely on those uh, interest payments coming from the fixed income portion of the portfolio anymore. And normally those would be quite a bit. I hear the music. That means I'm being kicked off the air. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you've been listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon and 1420. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report. Broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420. The answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.